Hi everyone, it's Nicole, just popping in right quick before the episode to, I guess, tell you a little bit about this episode. Gail and I are going to be chatting with author Cynthia Swanson. She wrote The Bookseller and this new novel called The Glass Forest. I've read both of them. Gail has read The Bookseller. We really loved those books and we're looking forward to talking to Cynthia. Unfortunately, her audio is a little bit patchy at moments. Um, Bear with us. About halfway through, the the discussion switches over and Gail and I chat a little bit about the recent books we've been reading, what I'm taking on vacation, and what Gail should read next. So, without further ado, here's the show. Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weisswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so... So today we have a very special guest. We have Cynthia Swanson, who is the author of The Glass Forest and also The Bookseller. Um, Cynthia is joining us from Denver, and we are extremely excited to have her on the Readerly Report. Hello, Cynthia. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. So Nicole and I are big fans of your books. I recently read The Bookseller, and I know that Nicole has read both The Glass Forest and The Bookseller. And we are very excited to talk to you tonight about the writing process, uh, how you do it, how you come up with the story, um, some questions about how and you decided to set your books in both the location and the time that you did. Um, but why don't we just get started? Uh, Nicole, you had a question that you wanted to ask Cynthia about sort of the relevance of both of these books today, given the the backdrop of Me Too and what's happening now. Do you want, why don't you go ahead and ask your question? Well, like Gail said, I did read both books, The Bookseller and The Glass Forest. And I felt like The Bookseller was... It explored women's issues and explored the choices that lives, the choices that women make in their lives. But the bookseller was a bit more, I don't want to say lighthearted, but it was a much lighter tone. I felt like the glass forest was darker, even though they both take place, I guess, in decades that are adjacent to each other. I, I believe the bookseller was at the late 50s and then the glass forest was um, 60s. So in your research, how would you say that women's lives differed then? And did you cross come across any parallels, especially with, I guess, where we are um, located in the thick of things these days? Absolutely. And, and that really is how it ended up happening. I, when I started writing the book, it was actually set in the present day. And I realized really quickly that because of the story, I needed to move back to an earlier time. And so it was really just for the story, the place I started writing, 1950s, 1960s timeframe. But as I started researching and exploring the social issues, it began to fit in so well with what I was trying to do. And I sort of felt like I wasn't done. And I wanted to do that and go a bit deeper and a bit, as you said, darker with the glass forest, with the, those same sorts of issues. There are definitely some issues in the glass forest about the restrictions on women's lives and their marriages and who gets to choose what happens with the marriage 
and who gets to choose what happens with the with a woman's life. You really, in a way that I don't think that we do these days, most women, you you really, once you threw yourself in, that was it. And th- there you were kind of out of a lot of options. And But I do think that at the same time, there are issues that are going on now that are kind of scary and could send us back in the wrong direction if we're not careful what we do. So the bookseller is about a woman who's kind of almost choosing between two different lives. And without giving away too much, uh, you've got a woman who is um, following a pretty traditional path with marriage and a husband and kids and another woman who is um, living more independently and focusing on career. Um, do you Did that book... Were you trying to achieve something there where you were sort of trying to set up kind of the contrast between traditional and modern, which plays a little bit into what you were just talking about, about women not having choices? Um, Talk about how you came up with that construct. Yeah, I I think a lot of it was sort of that that quandary of, of what we want out of our lives and the trying to have it all, which has been going on for a long time. I mean, we sort of think of that as, as a modern construct of women trying to go out and have it all. But that started probably in that time frame. You know, that became much more where you had to make a very clear choice. And it was very, very difficult to choose to focus on your career and also have a family and have a marriage and the character in that book tries to do both and it, it becomes very difficult. And these are still struggles that a lot of us have today in our lives. So yeah, I was trying to see, you know, look at those parallels between how we live now and how, I mean, in a lot of ways we've made progress, but it's, this is still an issue for so many women. Yeah. I was just thinking about that when you, when you talk about progress or whatever, I, I mean, I know that there are a lot of assumptions that each of us makes depending on our own lives and our own circumstances. Um, I just finished this memoir called Educated by Tara Westover. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she grows up in, she grows up amongst a community of Mormons, but her father is just, you know, for his own reasons. I mean, that society is very patriarchal, but her father has issues that isolates them from the rest of the community and their lives are just so, I guess, horrifically controlled by this one man's very troubled point of view. Right. Um, so it's just so interesting how people, we can have such different experiences. I know I was reading The Glass Forest and just with the relationships that the women had with their husbands, you know, even the one who is, I guess, more ca- career oriented and striving to make something of herself. Mm-hmm. Um just the conversations that they have, you know, they're just not conversations I can ever imagine having with a man, which is very interesting. Right. I mean, because even for that particular character, she doesn't even think that's what she wants. And because of circumstances that happen in her marriage and her family, that's how she ends up being career or career oriented, as opposed to a lot of us who make that choice for ourselves consciously these days. But it sort of just happens to her and she doesn't really have a choice. But it, so it's, again, it's, it's, it's not the traditional path, but it's also not what she originally chose. It's what it, what ended, ended up occurring because a man made a decision and she didn't have a way around it. So talk to us a little bit about your writing process. Um, 
take us from the germ of the idea through finishing the book. How, how long does it take you to write a book and how much do you plan out before you start writing? <laughs> in, in the, in the fiction writing community, we, we talk about plotters and pantsers and you know, the plotters <laughs> are the people who make that very careful outline and they have the whole thing all figured out before they start. And then the, the pantsers are just flying by the seat of their pants and, and writing and doing whatever comes along. And I'm way so much a pantser. <laughs> Oh, so really? I, I get an idea and I and it's really pretty much character driven with some basic plot points. And then I need to write a first draft to really get to know these people and what motivates them and why they would do the things they do. And then once I have that first and I do my books are set in a earlier time period, but I do very little research in those first drafts because I I love research. I absolutely love it, but it's such a rabbit hole and it really slows down the writing process. So my goal is to get through a first draft where I'm just getting to know the characters, getting to know the basic idea of the story. And then I go back and I refine the plot and I refine the historical details to make sure that I've got the accuracy. And that's many, many drafts that I go through. It's about, I, I seems like I'm taking about two and a half years per book right now to write books. So you don't have the key plot twists or milestones set beforehand. I have a little bit of them in my head and I write, I journal a lot. So I'll, I'll kind of like, you know, journal through that stuff and with myself and think, well, maybe if this is how it's going to go and this might be what happens. And I think this person will do this, but I don't have it all very carefully outlined, you know, with, with indents and with, you know, key sections and paragraphs and, (laughs) <laughs> so it's not it's not a detailed outline like that as much as it's just sort of a thought process. And when you started the bookseller, um, did you know how it was going to end up? I did. Yeah, okay. that one I did. I, I had a I had a that book really kind of came to me pretty quickly, and I hadn't had a good idea for a book in a long time. At that period, I had very young children, and I had not written fiction in a while because it's when they're little, they just sort of sap all the creative energy out of you and. When the idea for that book came along, my kids were three and six, and it was just like, oh, this is a good idea. This is the first really good idea I've had in a long time, and this is the book I want to write now. So I did, and I I had a pretty good sense of what that story would look like. Like I, I was out, and I ran home, and I kind of took down some notes and did some journaling, and then I thought about it for quite a while, and when I was ready, a couple weeks later, I started, I plunged into writing that first draft. Is that your, was that your first novel? It's the first one published. It's the third one that I've written. I wrote one when I was very young, like just out of college that was, you know, a lot of mostly practice was really good for me for learning how to write fiction and write novels. And then I wrote one that in my 30s that took about seven years. And that one I I shopped around to a few agents and, you know, got got a couple requests, but nothing ever went anywhere. And and then I took a long hiatus when I got married and when my kids were young, just sort of waiting for the right idea. And actually, the idea for The Glass Forest came to me in that time period, but I knew that one was too complicated. I couldn't tackle that at that point in my life. And I thought, this is a good idea, but I'm not ready to write it right now. I'm just going to shelf this one until until I can do this, until I can tackle this. And that so that that idea kind of floated for a while, but I came back to it after the bookseller was finished. Um, where do you do your writing? 
I write a lot at home. I have a home office and I write at home. And then if I just have to get out of home, then I go to the coffee shop, which is, there's a few of them close to my house that are lovely, just, you know, little local coffee shops. And then we also, um, I live in Denver and we have up in the mountains. So sometimes I'll go up there. I'm actually going there this weekend with a writer friend and we're going to have our own little writing retreat. And hopefully there won't be a lot of other people around. So it will be good for writing. That actually really helps to get away for a few days sometimes and just completely focus on the writing because as we were just talking about with women, it's distracting. It's There's so many other things pulling your attention away. And especially when you work at home, there's a million other things you could be doing. So how do you, so how do you stay off of social media while you're writing? <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. I, I, on a great day, I will write for a little bit and then get outside and get some exercise and think. I'm always thinking about my writing. I, I always think people must think I'm in the biggest snob if I'm running around the park or biking or whatever because I don't talk to anybody because I'm thinking about what I was doing. And then I'll go back and do some more and then kind of leave the social media and the, all the other pieces for later in the day because those things you can do with other people around. But writing is really hard with other people around. Mm-hmm. So on a good day, that's what I do. But yeah, that social media gets tempting even in the morning. I was like, oh, I'll just check really quick. <laughs> you know, we all know how that goes, right? Yeah, right. Two hours call. later. Uh, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I feel like I find I go online for one thing. I just need to know one piece of information. And then you start with the pop-ups and let me just check this other thing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't do the research in the beginning for that exact reason. I just, I take a lot of notes and I make a lot of guesses because once I do get deep into those research pieces, whether it's online or reading books or going to the library or looking at photos or whatever it is, there's just such a wealth of information and you find all the cool stuff that you need for the book you're writing, but and you learn all kinds of other cool stuff too, but it takes a lot of time. It's fun. I love it. I, I learn all kinds of really interesting things, some that I use and some that I don't. That's kind of bringing me to my next question, which I like to ask authors about their research, is that out of all the research that you did, what was the most interesting thing that you found out that you ultimately didn't use in the book? That I didn't use in the book? Oh, boy. Let's see. Um, I think probably... In the bookseller, there were some pieces that I had to pull out of the Denver, parts of the Denver, this story takes place in Denver where I live, and there were certainly some pieces of history around the town that didn't quite fit in the timeline, even though they were really cool. So I had to just kind of really focus on the time that I was set in. And then sort of the same thing with the glass forest. You have to, because you're sitting in one particular time frame and one particular area, I really do try to focus in and make sure that I'm keeping to what I'm working on right there and not going off in all kinds of other different directions. It's tempting. (laughs) (laughs) You got to keep it small. You know, you got to tighten it up where you can. I tend to be, I I actually have the opposite problem where, I mean, some writers I know will get a book done and they're like, oh, it's 150,000 words and I know I need to get it down under 100 and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I'm sort of the opposite. I mean, I write a first draft and it's 50,000 words and I've know that I need to get it up somewhere between 80 and 100. So I I try to write pretty tightly and not put in anything that's extraneous. So sometimes it's more a matter of just making sure I'm getting the details in there to make the story work. How do you deal with social media? So I, uh, 
the bookseller is set in the 60s, so social media is not an issue. Um, do you think authors today avoid setting books in the current time so that they don't have to deal with social media? I think it's really tough because social media and, and all of our technology is changing so quickly that if you set a book in, in some, you know, nebulous present day and you don't, you know, draw a line in the sand and say what year it is, then it quickly becomes really dated. So I, anytime I talk to authors about that and they're struggling with that, I, my advice is always just pick a date and just say this is when it happened if you're going to pull in any of those kinds of pieces, because it's really hard to avoid them. I mean, they're just, they're, unless your characters are, you know, living in the middle of nowhere. And even then it's, it's such a part of everybody's lives that I think it's really hard to avoid. I don't know. I, because I don't write in the present day, I'm not sure how I would handle that if I was. I, I, I think it's really, really tough. I, I dodged the whole thing by making stories that take place long before it was an issue. Well, I've read a it lot. It sounds of- like it's safe to say that your next book won't be set in the <laughs> present day either. <laughs> I'm on a roll. It's not set in exactly the same, t- same time period, but it there's no social media. So. <laughs> I think also it's hard because so much of social media is just inside your head. Like you're re- there's no dialogue, there's no action. It's just you absorbing whatever is going on. So it doesn't, it's hard to kind of advance a plot when you've got lots of social media happening. Right, right. I agree. I mean, and sometimes people, some authors get around that by having characters who just say, I mean, they'll acknowledge it and say, I don't do social media. It's just not my thing. And they they make a character for whom that works. And that's one way to avoid it, for sure, or stay at least not quite so inside it with your main character. That's one way that you could do it, I suppose. But I think so many of us, I mean, look at how many millions of people are, you know, that's what they do all day long, every day. <laughs> what are you working on now? So I am working on a third novel. It's um, it's at a little bit further along. It's more like in the mid '60s, so it, it advances a little bit further than these two, which are more like late '50s. Um, and it is a story about kind of a complex family during the early years of international adoption. So it's Ooh. been, yeah, it's been pretty pretty fun to research and very very eye opening, on, on all kinds of levels. I'm having fun with it. That sounds great. But I'm right in the middle of the two and a half years, so <laughs> don't look for it anytime soon. <laughs> is it is it also going to be set in Denver or the Midwest? It's it. I have characters that move around a little bit, so these okay. these characters are kind of wanderers. So we have mixing several. it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, mixing it up a bit. Yeah. What do you like to read? Um, I you know I like to read a lot of different kinds of books most I I do read more fiction than nonfiction although right now I am reading Born a Crime by Trevor Noah which is great so fun um he's just he's just such an entertaining and good writer and um but I do like I certainly like literary fiction I like fiction with a good thought-provoking story um one of my favorite recent books is Everything Here is Beautiful by Mira Tilly. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Not a great book. She's lovely, too. I've done some events with Mira, and she's a fab. She's fabulous to hang out with. She's a really nice person. Um, for thriller, I, I really like um, Jessica Strasser's new book, which is Not That I Could Tell, which is sort of a domestic thriller about a missing person. That's kind of fun. So there's uh, a kind Gail. Of- Sounds like you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And historical fiction, I've, uh, my, my recent favorite is um, Fiona Davis, who's is, is another author that I just recently met. She read The Dollhouse, 
and the address and she has a new one coming out i think called the masterpiece but they're set in the in the 50s well see she has to do this because they're set in the 50s in new york and they're always take place in like a famous building um like the dollhouse takes place in the barbizon hotel but then they also have a character that's in the present day that's kind of learning some mystery about what was going on in in those famous places and i think there's one set in grand central so kind of cool yeah she's good that's another fun author We'll have to keep an eye out for that one. I've been meet, wanting to read some Fiona Davis. Um, oh, she's she's fine. She's so many books. <laughs> so many books. So, so many books. I know. So little yeah. time. Yep. Well, um, Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us tonight and sharing a little bit about your process and about your books. We look very much forward to your next one. So we'll be keeping an eye out for that. And thanks, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Gail and Nicole. I really appreciate it. What have you been reading? Okay, so I'm still reading. I don't know. I think I had mentioned it on the show before that I was reading this book called Indecent by Corinne Sullivan. And I probably put it down because I had to finish up some book club books, but I am back to reading it. And it's it's good. I mean, I'm enjoying that in that cringy sort of way where they've set this book up to just, I don't know, just to just make you just hide your head in your hands because this is not going to end well. Um, Indecent is basically about this, um, I don't know, she's a super awkward young woman who has sort of always lusted after a prep school life. And she gets into a teaching program and she decides to teach at an all boys school where she begins a relationship with, uh, I think he's a senior, he's a senior at the school. So it is all about their relationship. And so of course I'm having all the conflicted feelings of, oh my God, what is she doing? She needs to get a handle on this, but at the same time, seeing how immature she is, you know, I don't know. That's one of the things that you don't think about when you're attending any kind of school is how close in age your teachers are to you, because at that time, the age gap seems astronomical. So you would think that he's about 17, 18. I think she's probably at tops 25. Um, so I don't know. It's just all about this illicit relationship that she should not be carrying on and We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm also reading Jennifer Shiverini's latest book called Enchantress of Numbers. I think it came back, came out in, um, I don't know, it came out in the fall of last year, maybe October or November. And it's basically about um, the daughter of Lord Byron. Um, so in the beginning, it briefly goes into his troubled marriage with his wife, I guess, before he descends into insanity and how this affects his daughter's life because his mother, her mother takes the very, I guess, opposite approach of raising her with sort of doesn't want her to do, have anything to do with imagination or whatever. Cause I think she's afraid that she's going to descend into madness like her father. And so she um, is a scientist or a mathematician and she raises her daughter in this really logical, rational way. It's told really strangely. And I think this is probably 
on purpose by the author because she wants, maybe she's trying to, I guess, juxtapose the imagination with the logic of the math. But she tells it from the perspective of um, Ada as an infant or as a child. So she has all this information that she really shouldn't know, you know, like, and when she's four years old, she's sort of like, I overheard this conversation with my mother and what did it mean? I don't know that I like the frame for it. I mean, the history and the story itself is interesting, but I just find the frame distracting. You know, I have, an, I have issues with child narrators anyway, but. Right. You never like them. This is super weird because, you know, she's a baby and she says stuff like, you know, I know you're wondering how I would remember this because I was an infant when it happened. But, you know, later on, I read my mother's letters or I sort of recollect some. I don't know. She says weird stuff like that. Hmm. We'll see how it all pans out. I'm also reading something called The Water Cure by Sophie McIntosh. It doesn't come out until January of 2019. So, <laughs> But it's like sort of dystopian. It's described as handmade. Handmaid's Tale meets the Virgin Suicide. So it's about these women who are isolated by their father slash husband um, on some island and he dies. And but then they have male intruders on the island that they've been sequestered on. So I don't know. I'm about 40 pages in. We'll we'll see if I can take it. Okay, that sounds pretty grim. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. Well, I'm in between books and need to pick something up. And maybe I will look at everything here as beautiful, seeing as how you two just gave it a very ringing endorsement. Right. Um, And I know that you really liked it. Um, I just finished two books. I finished The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer, which... So do tell. Yes, that's a that book is a bit of a project because it's long and dense, like all of her books. Um, I liked it. It is... um, being kind of marketed as a Me Too novel, hashtag Me Too, and I don't actually know if I agree with that. Uh, it, I mean, there's certainly themes of feminism and uh, women in the workplace and um, men, male and female relationships and mentorship relationships, but I don't actually think it is a big treatise on feminism and about equality found it more compelling just as a character study. And, you know, she is sort of well known for her very detailed analysis of relationships, which I really like. And in this book, it's about a girl who's in college and she meets this very famous feminist and the she ends up getting in touch with her after she graduates and that woman gives her a job. And so it's sort of about their relationship and also the younger woman's relationship, both with her, her high school boyfriend and her best friend from college and tracks them over a decade and sees what happens to them. And kind of like the interestings, it's just, you know, a very detailed analysis of those relationships that they have. And it's very rich and you get to know these characters really well. So I really liked it. And, um, I posted a Q and a with, Meg Wolitzer on my blog from going to hear her read and it, it was, it was really good. So I recommend it. So this one is about a couple who's been married for about, I don't know, seven years or so. And they're 
just have gotten progressively more unhappy and resentful of each other. And they kind of get to a point where they're both just so miserable that they decide to split up for a year. And they're going to see what happens after a year if they miss each other and want to get back together or if they, um, you know, are happier apart. And so it's about the separation and what happens. It really, it's really told from her perspective. There's very little from his perspective. It's about what happens to them in that year and how they relate to each other. So it's, it's got a little women's fictiony element to it. Um, but I thought it was sort of more realistic and a little grittier than I expected and which I liked. And I, it's, it was a good read. I'm glad I read it. it and I'm intrigued enough by her that I, like I mentioned, went to the library and got another one of her books, which I want to try. So, okay. Cause was I was thinking, I, um, I was going to call it the seven lives of Victor Hugo. It's the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And it came out last year. Wait, she wrote that. And I have it. And, um, I've heard good things about it. I think I've heard s- similar things that, you know, you might think her books are women fiction are women's fiction, but there's a little bit more heft there. So, um, I have it here and I won't even make any promises about when <laughs> I'm going to read it. Um, you I've know, been working I've... on my vacation stack. Oh, or before we get to that, I saw that book at BEA last year, multiple yeah, that's times. Where I, got it. I know. And I didn't. Realized that was the same person. Yes. And I'm looking so at Amazon and she surprised. has a no. million books. Oh, I didn't know she had written that many books though. But you know what, Nicole, I'm not sure I took it from BEA. I saw it at BEA, but I'm not sure I took it. Right. Um, well, there's a woman sprawled across the cover in a green dress. So, well, here was the deal. Was it, probably was it like, did not take it, but is she an actress in like old Hollywood or something? I think so. That didn't appeal to me. So that's why I didn't take it. Okay. I didn't like the setting. But then there's a you bunch sure of other books. it wasn't books. the green dress? <laughs> Plus the green dress. Then there's One True Loves, Forever Interrupted, After I Do, Maybe in Another Life. That's a whole bunch of books with a lot of really generic titles except for The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. The rest of these are all very forgettable titles. Um, yeah, what was the one? Tell the Truth? No. And they all have flowers on them. I have to say, I think her books are being marketed in a way that's not necessarily consistent with the tone of the book because they're really so like women's maybe fiction. In another life? No, I read After I Do. After I Do. Ooh. Yeah. What led you to that? The premise. I thought it was interesting. Did oh, you, you mean like how did I find there? it? Yeah. How did you find this? Oh my god! I think I've. I, I think... mean, there's burnt toast on the cover. Oh no! Not on the. Not in my version. That's funny. Um, <laughs> I think I found out about it in my book-a-day calendar. Okay. Which is actually how I find out about more than a few a books. A lot of stuff. hmm I thought it was intriguing. Okay. So if you had pulled it up and there was toast on the cover, would you have read it? Probably not. Um, I'm trying to look at the other covers. This Amazon version has an old-timey car with flowers draped on it uh, like a like a okay. couple might drive away in after their wedding. Okay. And then the book that I just got from the library has three books and a pair of sunglasses next to like a beachy scene, which kind of screams like women's fiction. 
You just got that from the library? Yes. What's it called? <laughs> One True Loves. But that's because I looked it up. I didn't hadn't seen the cover. I requested okay. it. I didn't know what the cover looked like. And then there's one called Forever Interrupted. This is about as women's fictiony as you can imagine. It's pink, and it has a white bike with flowers in the basket. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. My aunt was looking for something to read, and she likes sort of, you know, she likes women fiction, romance books. And, you know, I said to her, I, I think I've exhausted my collection of those books. People don't even send them to me anymore. Wow. And then I found, finally, I came across this book that had like a rack that had all these dresses hanging from it on the cover. And I was like, oh, I found the perfect book. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have one of those. Um, she said it was really good. So I don't know. Maybe I'll read it. Um, so you are in between books. You, you think you're going to read that Taylor Jenkins read next or no, probably not. Uh, I don't know. I so, haven't decided. I, it was like, I was tired the other night and I picked up like four different books to try to figure out what was going to catch me and none of them did. So I need to, I need to make, give it another go. Maybe I will do everything. Okay. So what happens beautiful. when you finish your book now that I have you talking about this? So you finish your book. You immediately write your review because you just you want to get it out there. Well, what you think? I wouldn't say immediately. I read it right in the next few days. But sometimes I start a book before I have read the, written the review from the previous book. Okay. Um, I don't know. Do you I feel mean, like if, you need to let it breathe a, a day, or do you? Can you immediately? Because I can immediately jump into. I it. can immediately jump into something else. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it kind of depends. Like if I have something like I'm somehow committed to like a, uh, you know, a book Book club club or something. Yeah. Which doesn't happen very often. So, um, no, I just kind of see where the winds take me. Like I don't plan out. I don't schedule anything because that seems stressful to me. Oh, but one thing that I do have to take into consideration, which you and I have talked about is do I have a looming library deadline? Right. Yeah. So that is the only thing that Gail bows down to is the library. Correct. Correct. Um, so yeah. you don't have any of those, I guess. Well, I do. I have a few of those. Um, and one of them, what was it that I picked up the other day that was a library book? Oh, Small Admissions. Have you read that? No. Should I? Do you know anything about it? Mm, not real. It seems kind of light for you, I, I would think. Yeah, I that was my fear was that it was going to be too light. So I picked it up and I was like, oh, maybe I'll start this. And I read all these good reviews and like, this is great fun. It's a total <laughs> light thing. And I'm like, I don't know if I want light right now. Yeah, I think I knew about that. I'd heard about it or whatever. And I think, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, so I may just return that without reading it. I don't know. All right. Well, we will hang in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure you will have trouble sleeping until I confirm with you what my next read is. Yeah, text me. <laughs> would you tell me? What do you think? Text I should, me as soon as you know. Should I do Mira Lee? Do you think that would be a good one? I think that would be a good one. Um, there's lots of meaty domestic story there. Um, yeah, I just found that it was so much story there. You'll like it. I think you'll like it. Okay. 
I won't be offended when you read something else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Thank you. I appreciate you letting me off the hook. All right. Well, um, we will check in soon on what we're reading. Oh, wait, vacation. You mentioned vacation. Yeah, I'm going to be going on vacation. I'll probably, I'm going to be gone for two weeks, but I will be back in New York for probably one day in between my vacations. Wait, when, um, are, you, so, when are you going? So I'm just calling it a vacation. Um, on Sunday? No, Monday. Monday, I'm leaving for North Carol Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. And I'm going to be in Asheville until the, until the following sun, until Sunday. Yeah. And then I'll come back and I'll be home for like two days. And then I am going to St. Petersburg, Florida. Nice. And then Naples, Florida. Okay. So are you, what is your reading strategy? Um, I don't know. So I have a few things that I want to finish. Like I want to finish Indecent and then I have... Um, the other side of everything, which I had started reading and I put it aside, not because I didn't like it, but because I had obligate, you know, like book club reads and different things going on. So depending on if, if maybe I finish those before I go away, then I'll have, a, I have a fresh batch that I'm considering. Um, one of which is Tangerine by Christine. Oh Mayer, yes, that I, looks good. I have mentioned before. Um, do you plan on reading that? Um, I don't know if you'd like it. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. It's a mix, you know, Joyce Carol Oates wrote the blurb for it, which, you know, I don't know. I sort of look at with a gimlet eye, but it's supposedly a mix between Donna Tartt, Julian Flynn, Patricia Highsmith, all of whom I love. So, um, I'm hoping I really like that. And so then Paula McLean is going to do an event here that I'm going to go to. And um, I think they're going to be talking about her book, The Paris Wife, which is old. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take, I know that that's one of my books that I'm going to take to read. Okay. And maybe text me when you get home is going to be one of my others. Okay. So we'll see. All right. Well, that sounds like a good plan. One of the books that I've, finished um that i believe i discussed last time which turned out to be a lot of fun was the high season by judy blundell and it was it's about this woman who has a house you know like right out in the town adjacent to the hamptons that she rents out during the summer which she's you know very resentful that she has to do but she sort of finances the rest of her life through renting her house for the summer and then this one summer, this woman moves in who basically becomes involved in all aspects of her life. So, you know, it's sort of she decides to make war upon this woman. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you think you mentioned this one before. Yeah, it, it turned out at, I wasn't sure how I was going to like it in the beginning because it's one of those books that has a lot of characters. So you meet so many people in the beginning and so much is going on. But um, it's a really fun read. It was a crazy read, like the things that were happening or whatever, but it's just sort of the perfect thing to read if, you know, it has some heft to it, but at the same time, it's just like a perfect re- book to read by the pool or at the beach or whatever. And it comes out at the end of May. So you should um, put on your whole list. And Gail, I can send you my copy if you're interested in oh, it up. 
Okay, thank you. So. Um, okay, good. Well, I look forward to hearing about your vacation reads. And hopefully we'll catch you for our podcast somewhere in one of your travel destinations. Yeah, I'll set up in the corner of my hotel room. Okay. Sounds somewhere. Good. You'll have, we'll forgive the audio in advance, but yeah, we're going to check in. I'm glad that you're so mobile. That's great. Definitely a good sign. All right. Well, we'll, we'll check in on our reading adventures. And until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.